When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan, and I'm happy to be here with you. This podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and if you're listening and you like us, please feel free to leave a review Boost my ego a little bit. Can't hurt. On the show today, we have the insanely talented Amanda Brown. If you are a fan of The Voice, you will remember her from season three, but she has also toured with numerous acts, including Adele, Alicia Keys, The Killers, and many more. She released her first solo album, Dirty Water, in 2018. And now she's finding her voice on a new EP, and the first song to come off of that is called From Here. So we talked to her about all of that and more, so please stay tuned for the lovely and really just super fun hang, Miss Amanda Brown. I'm very curious now, I want to, we're going to, I usually do this in a way that's more chronological but mm-hmm. i got i was listening to from here mm-hmm. and it's coming out october 23rd mm-hmm. you got a great song here just good energy mm-hmm. and it gives me the sense that you've been pondering a few things and maybe within a relationship and with the resulting question being where do we go from here so i'm kind of wondering what can you tell us about this new track um yeah so it's a song that i wrote um God, 2018, I was actually on the road at that time and uh, I was touring with the Killers and yeah, you know, we all have periods where, you know, (laughs) we're in a relationship and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. Um, For me, you know, in the case of this relationship, it didn't work out. Yeah. and uh yeah i was just kind of sort of at a, a bit of a crossroads i um, you know, had this, had just released, uh, or actually I was promoting an album that I was gearing up to release. And, um, you know, I had sort of been feeling this pull to move to the West coast for a number of years prior to, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, kind of just, you know, that was the, that was the question that kept popping up in the session. I wrote the song, you know, with Jessica Vaughn, who is, very talented artist in her own right and Mm -hmm. songwriter and um 
and Keith Varon uh, was uh, was sort of like kind of co-producing, co-writing in the session. And uh, and yeah, we, she was just like, so what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, this is at the forefront of my mind and my life right now. And uh, and yeah, that's that's how the song came about. So how does but, that uh, process work? Do you kind of go into the idea of what's going on in your mind and your life and then you just kind of start going back and forth lyrically with people? I know the songwriting different, it's different for every song a lot of the time, but is, do you have different processes like that? I do have different processes. It depends on, um, it depends on where I am. It depends on like, you know, for in that instance, like I didn't set out to write that song. You know, I just had a session booked. I just so happened to have a session. I, I wanted to write with a bunch of different songwriters that I'd never written with before. I wanted to start writing with female songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I found that it was so easy. I mean, it helped that I, I knew Jesse, but it was, I found that it was so easy for me to talk about some more kind of personal, emotional things with having another woman in the room. I can see that. And yeah. And so sometimes like, for instance, there's another song on my, on my upcoming EP that the melody actually came to me in a dream. I kid really? you not. <laughs> yes, it did. Is that a first? So actually, when I moved to um, California, I started dreaming music. And for the very first time, I started like dreaming melodies. And I would like wake up at 4 a.m. and like oh, wow. grab my phone and just like record a voice note. And so there's another song that's on the EP. It's called Can't Let You Go. And the melody for that came to me in a dream. And then the next day, I started writing lyrics. And then I got together with um, another songwriter and and great musician um and uh and sort of like fleshed out the song and so it kind of just depends you know have you ever lost one have you ever woken up and been like yes did not get that down yes and you know what you know why that when that usually happens to me it's usually because i'm like oh yeah i'll remember it like let me just i'll just give myself a second and damn sleep and you forget it you i always forget it so it's like once you hear it you have to record it right away so yeah it's a good habit to be in so are you keeping a pen and paper as well as your phones that you can do voice memos Am I what? Keeping your pen and paper right there as well as some voice memos in case you might dream some lyrics that you might want to put down. I usually just record, if I hear lyrics, I usually just record everything into my voice memo. Smart. Well, with you being a singer, you probably have it come out as a melody anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I'll (laughs) sing it. If there are words, I'll mumble the words or whatever little mumbles come out, I'll mumble that. But um. But yeah, I feel like it's just faster to record it in a voice memo than to try and like jot down everything super quickly as it's coming to you, you know? Yeah, I like that. Okay, so you've got a hell of a story leading up to where you are now with this new music. So let's kind of go back a little bit and talk about, you grew up a Bronx girl singing in the church, it sounds like. (laughs) And, um... And then you went ahead and auditioned at one point and got into, because I'm not going to go into the full name of this school, LaGuardia Arts High School. And, yes. um, which, which they is... changed the name because originally it was called um, Fiorello H. LaGuardia High School of Music and Art and Performing Arts. <laughs> and then they were, they, were, they were like, oh, God, social media age, and we probably need to shorten this for our Instagram <laughs> handle or whatever reason they changed it. But yeah, now it's called LaGuardia Arts. Okay. 
Awesome. Well, I got it right then. And I was just, I literally saw that and I was like, I got to figure out another way to say this in this question. <laughs> so, and I just, I, I took it and shortened it myself and I guess I got it right. Um, but obviously this is a very prestigious school within the city and nationally, globally. Um, and so my question for you on that is how has the, how has your time there impacted you musically, like throughout your career so far? What, what kind of started there that you've carried on with? Oh, I mean, I would say that I learned a number of things at that school that helped me, you know, in my career. It's so funny because the other day, um, you know, for the September 11th Memorial, I posted a video because the year after September 11th, they had the eternal lighting of uh, the, the lighting of the eternal flame in Battery Park. Mm -hmm. They had all of these dignitaries there. And so our high school senior choir uh, performed, you know, after they lit the flame. And I was a soloist that performed and it was on C-SPAN. It was just like my first kind of television debut um, in my senior year of high school. And that was just like one of many experiences I think I had as a result of being um, a student in that school that helped me throughout the rest of my career in terms of live performance, in terms of vocal technique, in terms of, you know, having to sing in various languages, having to learn multiple pieces of music in yeah. various genres at the same time. You know, I, I've learned so much after, after having gone to that school. Was it really kind of a, that was one of the things that I had in mind of like you, what was your household? What was the family listening to growing up? What was the parents, what did they have on the radio and stuff? Oh, we listen to gospel music. We listen to Christian music. I went so to a very yeah. Go ahead. I um my in my household we were we were Christian, and my dad is was is a very strict, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know a Christian man uh, who's he's actually a minister now. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we we only listen to that stuff at home. <laughs> okay, so you're coming from that kind of a background, and then you go into the school, and I'm imagining you get your eyes open to every genre. Oh, I mean, and and that is still happening. Like there are songs that like we'll play and I'll be like, oh my God, what is this? And my friends will be like, you don't know what this is. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, because for the first like you know, 17, 18 years of my life, I was only listening to Christian music. But, um, but yeah, so when I started high school, you know, singing classical music and singing jazz, and then as a result of being around other students being exposed to whatever it was that they were listening to at the time, you know, R&B and the pop world. Um, so yeah, no, it was like sensory overload uh, a lot of days. <laughs> This is something that I was really curious about, too, because I ask people who have been playing music and doing music for most of their lives, especially in their childhood, this question about confidence. And I'm, I'm wondering if had you not gotten accepted there, do you think that would have affected your confidence to the point where you might not be what you're doing today? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I didn't want to go to that school initially. Really? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was just very, I was a very, very shy, you know, devout Christian girl. And uh, girl. my, 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 how times have changed. No, no. <laughs> but, um, 
No, yeah, I, uh, so I had a music teacher in the seventh and eighth grade and, you know, he sort of introduced me to a ton of like musical theater stuff and, and he was the one who told me about, um, you know, LaGuardia and he said, you should absolutely audition for this school. Like, you know, you have a great voice, you have a great talent like this, you know, this is something that if you're interested in that I could help you, you know, prepare for. Nice. And so I auditioned for that school. I also also auditioned for a um, fashion institute. It was called Fashion uh, High School because I want I loved drawing and I had all of these sketches of like outfits that I had created. Really? And I actually got into that school too. <laughs> and so it was just like, do I want to go into the fashion world or do I want to go into the music world or do I just want to go to like a regular high school and just not do any of that? And Oh, you poor thing with these tough choices. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, yeah, in the end, I I decided to go to LaGuardia and I'm glad that I made that decision. But initially and for most of my high school career, I was just like, yeah, I'm doing music now because it's fun. I I enjoy it, but I don't want to be a professional musician like that just seems like it's not stable yeah of course that that those are all like words that we that are not genuinely coming from us those are words that we hear from other people from our parents and and so we generate these things in our mind that make us think that we can't you know do certain things but totally it kind of sets us up for being able to you know, you're, if you if you didn't make it as a musician, you've been like, well, you know, when you asked me back then, I didn't think I was going to make it either. So you kind of right. just almost set yourself up and but, you know, you busted through it. So good work on that. OK, so you get right. done there. You head off. It sounds like to Brown for what, like a semester, a year or something. I went to Howard University. Howard. Sorry. Um, I had that written yeah, down no, too. Okay. I just said Brown. <laughs> <laughs> went to Howard University. Um for a year it was great it was in washington dc for a number of reasons why i left the main reason was well the two main reasons were um music i was working with like a producer and i wanted to continue to to work with him i wanted to continue to sort of try honing my songwriting and and also money Cause I was just like, I don't be in debt at the end of my <laughs> collegiate career. <laughs> and, um, and you know, Howard wasn't ridiculous. It wasn't as crazy as some of like, you know, certain other Ivy league schools and, and uh, NYU was another school that like I wanted to go to. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I can't pay that much money and so um and so those were the main why i left and i transferred schools i went to a city college i transferred to guru college in new york where i was just like all right i can handle this i can pay for this (laughs) with college i will have a degree and won't be too stressed out but um that actually didn't happen because then i after my third year i um started uh, performing and and touring and well, what? That's when you were you started doing some stuff around New York, doing some auditioning, and then that's when you landed with Alicia, right? Alicia, you started, Keys. yeah, you started going around with Alicia Keys. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was? I'm curious now. You've made this decision to leave the Ivy League school, come back to New York, and start to well, pursue. Well, Howard this. is not an Ivy League school, but okay, it's a historically black university. I'm not a I'm not a unifile. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. 
<laughs> but I am curious about that. Uh, not so much the auditioning, but the process of getting that. And did you, you're, you know, you're 23. It sounds like around 23 at the time. What was that moment like for you? Sorry. You're 23 <laughs> now. You're 23 then. No, yeah, no. I, um, <laughs> I, it was amazing when I got the the job, you know, for the sweet pieces. Nothing seems complete. One, I had never traveled outside of the country, you know, mm. one outside of visiting Jamaica, you know, with my family, I had never traveled anywhere else prior to that. I had never had a full time music job, you know, where music was the only thing I was doing. I always had like a music gig and then like two other jobs. <laughs> so you know, it was pretty amazing in that, like, I was able to travel the world and do just music yeah. for, you know, three years and um, and get paid for it. And I was just like, this exists? Like, people actually do this? Unbelievable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. And, and after having that experience, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is definitely something that I want to keep doing. So that kind of solidified it. I'm curious about that how that experience um, kind of prepared you for what came pretty close to being next, which was your time on The Voice. Yeah, so, well, actually, I I was working with Alicia Keys for about three years and would sing background for, you know, a few other artists here and there. And um, and then I actually left at the end of that three year, those three years because I wanted to... Um, I wanted to write more for myself. I mm -hmm. wanted to record more for myself and I wanted to explore the idea of being a solo artist and what that meant for me. Was and Alicia so, encouraging for all that? I imagine. Oh, I mean, yeah, everybody's, everybody's always has always been supportive. Like everyone that I've worked with has always been supportive of whatever it is that you want to do. Like we support you. No one's like, don't leave us. Like <laughs> you're stabbing us in the back for yourself. And no, everyone's always been supportive. Thank God. But um, yeah, so I left and then I was in New York not touring and I was just like, okay, now what do I do? And, you know, I've got like a bunch of uh, jobs. I was working in like a clothing store for a minute while I was trying to figure out my Fashion's life. Fashion's always what I floating around do. there for you. You know, <laughs> the girl likes a piece of fabric, but no, I um. I then started singing at this club in the West Village um, called the Village Underground. I started singing in the house band okay. for a few years. And that experience sort of helped me hone my live performance chops as a solo artist because everyone on stage, um, you know, was talented in their own right. So many of those guys and ladies had been performing, you know, in New York City for years and in, in various venues and sort of had that solo stage experience, which I didn't have. I'd only really ever 
sung, you know, as a background singer or within a group or within a choir. Mm -hmm. And so um, that really helped me hone my, my solo performance skills. And while I was working there, that's when I auditioned for The Voice. And thank God I had that experience first, because if I had gone on The Voice prior to uh, singing at the Village Underground, I definitely would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really curious, what were some of the songs that you were singing there? Was it mostly covers? Yeah, they were all covers. Occasionally, a few of us would perform um, some original songs, but for the most part, it was, it was covers. You know, it was like a late night. We'd play until sometimes two, three o'clock in the morning. And so it was like one of those late night bars. People will come and drink and dance. And um, they wanted to hear songs that they knew. You know? Very loungy. I don't know that it was loungy. I mean, they had seats, but like our the band was pretty loud. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know that many people were able to have a conversation unless you were talking directly into someone's ear. Okay. You know? Like we were, we were rocking down there. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I am coming from someone who has been in and out of watching a show like The Voice. My mom was a huge fan. Oh. Bless her. And so she got me watching a couple of seasons. And unfortunately, it was after you were on. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do have some questions about the voice behind the scenes that if she were still with us, she would want me to absolutely ask somebody because she'd be okay. freaking out that I had the opportunity to talk to somebody that was on the show. <laughs> and so, <laughs> okay, so first of all, you sang both Someone Like You by Adele and also had one of the most memorable performance, I think probably in the show's history with Aerosmith's Dream On. Oh. And I'm wondering, were you nervous taking on any of these songs by such big and diverse voices leading up to them? Yeah. I mean, I was always nervous before every single performance I get. I, I mean, I used to get extremely nervous to the point where like I couldn't talk to anybody and it needs to be my own space <laughs> and zone. And I remember before I performed uh, dream on, which is a song that I had sung a million times prior to that. Really? Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. So here's a quick question for you. Are you registered to vote? Well, Headcount is a nonpartisan organization that works with the music and entertainment industry to get fans to vote. To update or check your voter registration status, go to headcount.org where you'll find all the information you need to be ready for election day. It's coming up fast, so do it now. Register to vote at headcount.org. Like seconds before I went on stage, I always like to sort of like, you know, review through the lyrics and the melody and everything. And I remember seconds before I walked out, I was like, oh my God, what's the start to the song? I'm so <laughs> like I was extremely nervous, but, um, you know, I think that when you when you put the work in and you try and, you know, keep 
be respectful to you know the original artists and the originality and make it own but still sort of like you know pay homage to these uh incredible songwriters yeah. and performers and bands um it all just works out in the end you know as long as you're like having fun and it's musical and you know you're connecting with whoever is there in the room with you that's all really you're, you're trying to do i think yeah well you also end up going and touring with adele a little bit did you ever just like nudge her and be like hey if you want a little set break i'll tell handle the song tonight <laughs> no i did not i feel like she uh she's doing pretty well she doesn't need me to hop up there but no um she she was great because she also gave like an opportunity for for us to have like a, a girl's moment she had me and the other two background singers um you know come up into the front of the stage with her and we'd like sing uh a song together and uh that was a great experience she's a she's a wonderful person and very very talented yeah unbelievable so um now i want to go i want to jump back in because i need some behind the scenes details i'm wondering where do you live when you're on the show and what's it just a typical day and week like as you're preparing these songs with your coach and the artists that they bring in just what kind of is like the day in day out i'm so curious how this all works yeah i mean it sort of varies from day to day we all stay in hotels and you know they film things at different times so it's not it doesn't work chronologically yeah you know it sometimes we'll film this shot of us walking down a hallway and then we'll jump to like an interview and then we'll do another like so it kind of just depends on whatever it is they need for the show that's my thought um, is that there's all this b-roll that they've got to get and they're like you've got these call times it's almost like being on a set shooting a commercial or something like that yeah. And for the most part, you know, you're spending a lot of time by yourself, or at least I did by myself sort of going over the music. And, um, you know, there are some people that were more social, they'd have like little hangs outside where everyone on the show will come and do like little sing songs. And yeah. everyone will go around and sing and stuff like that. And like, I just wasn't into that. Um, yeah. Not that it's not cool. I just, that's just wasn't my vibe, you yeah. know, back then so i spent a lot of time um you know with me or like a couple of friends that i made on the show cody blue was my was my boo on the show <laughs> and um there was another girl amanda decorbier who who auditioned but she didn't make it onto the show but she was another person that like you know we hung out with i hung out with um but yeah i i just spent a lot of time kind of rehearsing You'd have like, you know, vocal coach moments. They had like vocal coaches on the show and they really yeah, help improve kind of you overall, you think? I imagine that they probably did help improve some people. Yeah. I think that I um already had a lot of experience going into that show. Yeah. And so I don't know that there was anything that I learned technique wise, but I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about what I want and don't want for myself. Good. And those sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, yeah. I mean, every experience you're going to take something out of. So, and yeah. like you said, you were kind of prepared with the few years that you'd done on the not lounge scene in New York. Mm -hmm. That was, um, you know, getting you ready, for, getting your live chops good. So that's awesome. Really, I appreciate you letting me scratch my curious Corey itch. Oh, of course. Because um, it's constantly there. Um, okay, so 
Let's jump up now. 2018, you dropped the album Dirty Water. And as I'm listening to this, it just covers a lot of ground musically. You've got mm -hmm. pop. There's like some waltzy, soulful stuff on there. And I, mm -hmm. there's a, even kind of a song that's got a little country feel to it. Yeah. And that, I think it's Dynamite. Are you mm -hmm. always trying to be open to just broadening into these different genres and do you help does you think that kind of helps your creativity just continue to expand yeah i think for me like that was my first effort in um you know writing uh, an album mm -hmm. and i do love so many different types of music and i do um appreciate various genres for different reasons and i think I just wanted to experiment and and be free to create without trying to box myself into anything. Yeah. Um, which I'm glad that I did. I'm glad I had that opportunity because now I know myself that much better when it comes to the music that I want to create and what direction I want that to take. And I think had I just listened to somebody that was just like, yeah, well, you got to do like just only this or only do this um, because like that's just the rules. That's what people um, say in all lines of work though, right? Because they'll be like, <laughs> yeah. what do you want to do for your living? And you'll be like, well, I could do this or I could do that. No, like you really just need to focus and just do one thing. And it's like, well, why can't I just try a bunch of things and boring. what I want to do? <laughs> it's boring. And yeah. I I get bored. <laughs> no, I just, I think that had I not done that and had I not experimented, you know, on that album, I, you know, with my future projects, I would have constantly been wondering, well, what if I tried this? Like, would this thing work? Or what if I tried this? Would this thing work? And so um, that album was just, you know, it was, I think of it as like my little baby. It was just like my first effort, my first try. And yeah, it, it is what it is. I, I try not to put too, too many labels on it. It's like a little singer songwriter album. Yeah. And yeah. There's yeah. one song on there that I was, I've just been really falling in love with. No good. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, it keeps talking about this picture-perfect friend, and it seems to be saying that things aren't good now, but they might be down the road. And I'm just really, I've, as I'm listening, I'm like, what? I want to ask you, like, what brought upon these, like, evasive but hopeful type ideas? Yeah, that was another quote, kind of song about a relationship. These relationships, and... man, just fuel for the fire. <laughs> And um, I'm, t I'm saying, you know, I'm no good for you, but really I'm talking about this other person who would constantly, you know, sort of give that energy off to me as if to say, you know, I, um, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not good for you. You deserve better. You deserve, you know, a better person. But like, you know, I'm going to stick around because this, you know, could potentially like, you know, think I could become a better person. This could be better. Yeah. You know, our relationship could potentially grow into a better thing. And it was just kind of like, it was a bit of like a sarcastic way at, uh, 
at you know addressing this particular person is just just like you're no good for me right <laughs> right now maybe down yeah. the road i'm not shutting the door yeah <laughs> i mean i didn't shut the door for a few years but you know <laughs> what can you do <laughs> we're all guilty of stringing someone along for too long <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so I'm going to get into some of these 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 questions that I'm asking everyone. Two of these I ask everyone. Three of the third one I make um, personal. So mm-hmm. number one is if you had to listen to one band for the rest of your life, which one would that be? Oh, that would be Radiohead. I've got that. You're, I think, my third out of like two dozen or something like that. What's, oh, really? what's up with you and Radiohead? Oh, I love them. I think that they are just a band that has stood the test of time. They are just incredibly musical. I fell in love with Tom York's voice, um, you know, because I was singing rock music. And I was just like, oh, you have this sort of pretty sound. And I remember reading an interview somewhere. Um, you know, where he was saying something along the lines of, you know, in the beginning of the band's career that, you know, he wasn't a fan of his own voice because he thought it was too pretty and and then soon later embraced it. And I feel like I, I related to that a lot. I <clears throat> was just like, well, I want to sing stuff that like is a bit harder and heavier, but I have this like, you know, pretty voice. And no matter how hard and heavy I sing, everyone's just like, oh my God, that's so, it sounds so pretty. I completely, like... <laughs> I, I, I agree and I disagree. And I've got a question that kind of relates to that, oh, but okay. it's, it's after this one. Um, what is one song that you wish you would have written? Off one, a song that I wish I had written song that comes to mind and maybe it's just because of my connection to this particular artist but I wish that I had written someone like you by Adele because do I think it's a great song um, and because I wouldn't mind receiving the checks that I know she's received as a result (laughs) of that song but also having seen the impact of that song firsthand and the way that people respond to it Mm -hmm. the way that people connect to it live um, at shows the way people are even just her fans with me as a result of me being you know uh someone that has worked with her and and i sang that song on the voice i covered that song on the voice and people's response to it even though it sounded very different from her version of it i just feel like 
that is what I, that's the kind of song that I want to write. I want to write a song that allows people to connect um, to it in the way that they have to that song. And that's literally the first song that comes to mind. Who knows if I was able to sit down and have I think you got to trust those instincts. That's what I, <laughs> a lot of times people will struggle with it and I'll just, I'll sit there and I'll go back and I'll be like, what was the first thing that popped in? And yeah. they can, you know, that's, I think that's usually the best way to go. Yeah. And I mean, who can argue Now that I'm thinking about it, there are like a million other songs that are coming to Rail mind. Them off. But I mean, like if I had written Paranoid Android, I would have felt like uh, I would be the coolest person on the planet and I could just die after that. You know the story <laughs> behind that? I read somewhere that he was like in, in a, a bar. It's like in a hotel room above a bar, like in a room above a bar. And people were just like partying and getting crazy. And he was just so frustrated because they were keeping him awake. And that's where that whole thing came from. Okay, yeah, I I read like something somewhat similar where he was in a bar and he saw like a number of people that were extremely drunk. This one particular lady who was like kind of prissy mm-hmm. and entitled and just like a really bad drunk. Um, and I think that's where the line like Gucci little piggy came from. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I'd written that. I wish I'd written all of Stevie Wonder's catalog. <laughs> I can hear that. There's all of a, Michael um, Jackson's catalog. Like yeah. just great, great songs, you know, that yeah. people connect to. No, those are, I mean, you can't go wrong with those. I had someone pick Michael Jackson as their artist that they would listen to if they could only listen to one more the rest of their life recently oh wow yeah Um, i mean that makes sense one of the things you got to consider is a giant catalog of music because if it's just going to be on repeat you want to you're going to get sick of it after 70 years um okay so i've heard your covers obviously i heard dream on and today i listened to that nice the really nice acoustic version of best of me by foo fighters oh yeah um really great i thought <laughs> that was one of those I, I just thought you nailed that song and then here's the one that just floored me was show me how to live by audio slave When you were saying like, I just want to like belt it out sometimes, but people are like, no, you got this really pretty voice. Like I'm telling everyone, I'm going to link to this in the show notes. Go look at this YouTube video and watch those girls sing with these, with this, like this giant horn section behind you that you just like yeah. outpower like 45 <laughs> horns. And I'm Thanks like, what? Thanks to it's- a microphone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you know, it's in here too. And yeah, um, thanks. But I'm listening to this. I literally listened. I got tingles. My girlfriend's sitting there making um, lunch, and I'm just like, "Are you listening to this?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm kind of." And I'm like, "This is just so good." <laughs> and I'm wondering, um, because of your voice with those horns, and I just it got me thinking. Like, is your ideal? Are you just like bullhorns up, a headbang rocker at heart? um you know what I like to think when I think of myself and like my musical tastes I think 
or rather I would like to embody Prince. Like I feel like Prince is like the perfect example in that Prince was able to pop back and forth between between genres. He was able to, you know, throw a little rock and roll in there. He was able to throw a little soul in there. He was able to throw a little gospel in there, a little yep. R&B, a little funk. And while I am nowhere near as uh, accomplished as Prince was, yet I that is what that is what I aim for. I, I because I love music. I love mm-hmm. all types of music. And I want to be able to sing and appreciate all of those things when opportunities present themselves. Now, I think as I progress as an artist, I'm honing in on more of an an Amanda Brown sound that, you know, hopefully people will recognize when they hear me singing on something. Yeah. But... um, I've definitely learned to be a bit more edgy, I think, than I was 10 years ago. It's in you. In terms of Do, my don't deny that to the world. <laughs> <laughs> that was not always the case. Go back and look at my uh, performance singing in Battery Park, and I was like full-on <laughs> classical singer. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, you know, I've definitely grown. <laughs> Did you know the Audio Slave song, or was that something that you guys just kind of said? Was that your suggestion, or was that somebody else's? Yeah, so Brass Against, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they are sort of, uh, you know, a band that always kind of plays and records these songs that are just like, you know, F the establishment, Um, you know, like they're all rock songs, but they're like songs that are just like have some sort of a message in regards to like government or religion or some sort of societal uh, you know, thing that exists. Yeah. And so he, um, Brad, uh, actually presented a number of songs to me and that was one of them. And I was just like, I want to sing this song. Um, I was familiar with audio say, but I wasn't familiar with that tune. So, uh, it was a pleasure. And, you know, when we had recorded it, it was not, you know, and not that much longer after Chris passed away. And so I felt even more kind of like empowered to make sure that that performance was, was as good as I could possibly make it, you know? Good for you. Paying some homage. Thanks. Yeah, no, it was really good. Um, This has been so much fun. Uh, The single is from here. It drops October 23rd. Yes. Go find it. Yes, and please. love it. And Amanda Brown, thank you for spending some time with us. And thank you, thank you for using a condenser microphone so that you sound <laughs> so nice and clean. And um, much continued success to you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Okay, first thing I'd like to do is confirm that Amanda was right. I did go to songfacts.com and double-checked our handiwork on paranoid android and sure enough he wrote it more so on a night out i was partially right he wrote it while staying awake at five in the morning because he was thinking about all the crappy people that he met anyway thank you so much to amanda and thank you to all of you for the stories behind the songs go to songfacts.com see ya